Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. Technically, it is 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton here as well. Kevin Bowen back on Wednesday when we come back from the couple of days off for Independence Day holiday. Sam Fritz running the big board for us. We've been talking a lot this morning about the situation with the Colts, Isaiah Rogers. Uh, the ESPN report yesterday that, that kind of went along with what we've been saying uh, and ESPN has been saying for a couple of weeks. Joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, appreciate his time in doing so, as senior NFL reporter for ESPN, Jeremy Fowler joins us. And Jeremy, it's going to sound like actually – I am nitpicking the ESPN report or questioning it. I, I want to make clear up front that is not the case. Um, you know, we're all kind of searching for clarity, if you will, which I think will probably come together here soon. So let me begin by asking this. I, I know that you guys yesterday had reported that Isaiah Rogers is the only name in terms of the players that are about to be hit by the end of the week, it appears, by the NFL is that because that's the only one that, that has been definitively um, labeled because he himself came out? In other words, do you have the other names, or are we waiting on that still? Well, I can't say for certain, uh, since it's not my report, but I, I can say that uh, you know, typically if you have the names confirmed, um, it could have been included in one place, uh, I would imagine. So, uh in this case, it might be a scenario where since Roger's name was already out there, it was known um, based on reports uh, that he was being investigated by the NFL, that that one was a little more clear cut. So I, I don't know who knows about the others. I know there are a handful. I think it'll probably be about four players. Um, it's kind of the, the early word that I've heard. We'll see if that's true or not, but uh, it, it will be more than two, I imagine. Do we know, and my apologies, Jeremy, if this was already out there and I missed this aspect of it, um, have there been other – do we know what other teams that, that may be involved? Not yet. Not yet. I think by the end of the week we'll get that clarity. Jeremy, it sounds like Isaiah Rogers uh, from Adam Schefter's report is going to have like a mirror suspension to Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley, when he was pinched, was away from the team and uh, only bet on a handful of games. Uh, it, it seems like from what we've heard with Isaiah Rogers that he's actually – bet on Colts games that he participated in. Now, is is that something where the NFL is actually going to come down when this news does become official? It's going to be a more weighted suspension, or is it just going to be a wait-and-see approach with the one-year suspension, and they'll have to apply for reinstatement? It could be that. that. That certainly could be an avenue, and that's typically a precedent that the NFL has set, that you have to go through a process uh, to get reinstated, and you have to meet with the commissioner, and it's sort of like a formal interview. And I think the comparison with Ridley is more just to to note the severity um, where, you know, the Detroit Lions players, the Jameson Williams was a little bit of a different scenario where they got, I believe, six games um, where, you know, if you bet to a certain point or attempt to bet, then that, that warrants the year-long suspension. I'm not sure in this case if it's going to be more severe or not, but, but Ridley is the most noteworthy uh, that's been a lengthy suspension. So I think that was just more of a touch point. Yeah, I think my concern, if I'm Isaiah Rogers, Jeremy, and I want you to tell me if you think I'm off base, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is our guest. You know, life oftentimes when it comes to penalties or even in the NFL, whatever it might be, is based sometimes on precedent to give you kind of a baseline of what you're dealing with. 
And I think the NFL tried to make the statement with Calvin Ridley, like, look, this is serious business. I mean, yes, we might be aligned with some of these apps, but this is serious business. So he was suspended for the year, and that was for wagering on the the league itself, but doing so while not within the facility or around his team because Ridley had injury. In Rodgers' case, he's not only in the facility, he's on the field of the games allegedly in which he is involved. Does it not seem that at that point the NFL has to then take the precedent and even further increase the penalty to escalate the example they're trying to make? Well, potentially, if you're working on a sliding scale, that would be more severe in that case, especially if you're in the building or on the field. So um, they, it, it's it's pretty clear that the league is trying to um, – They've had to make some adjustments on this. They're, re- they're reinforcing the rules that have remained the same, but there is a feeling that players didn't quite know uh, and weren't quite educated enough to, to understand some of the nuances. So now that is clear cut, where before they had to make an example, we'll see if they feel the need to have to do that again, where they're kind of navigating, uh, you know, like whether all the players understood based on the rollout. I, I think that they did. You know, most teams I talked to believe that. Um, you know, it was pretty clear cut, but yeah. And this, in this case, certainly uh, with Isaiah Rogers, um, a year seems like a baseline and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. But um, yeah, it, it seems pretty severe. I feel like Jeremy, and this is maybe me overthinking it and, and we don't know one another, but if you knew me, you'd go, well, yeah, dude, you overthink everything. Right. But, but part of me feels like the NFL has to, have this anxiety over these things propping up because in the back of their minds there has to be the thought process of don't make us look any further than we have to because we're afraid of what we might overturn. Am I overthinking that? You're saying the the league is asking players not to make them have to look that deep? I'm saying I would think that deep down the league has to have a fear that this might actually be something that the more they look, they're going to find out that they have a much bigger problem than they initially thought, and that this is well, that you you could under you could you could find this. And I'm that sounds like I'm saying with Isaiah Rogers, like ah, don't worry about it. Like this happens all the time. That's it's the antithesis. What I'm saying though is it it just feels like it could be this spider web of where and how do you police it. Well, I think that's why the league is trying to get ahead of it because they're concerned about that spiral or they're concerned about widespread gambling. Um, it's it's a difficult process. Where you know, I, I talked to uh, one player agent yesterday. It's like you're having to sort of decipher with your particular players, though, like, hey, you know, you can gamble on another sport if you're away from the facility down the block at the coffee shop, but if you have one foot in your facility and you're gambling on that same or whether it's basketball or gymnastics, you know, non-football, then you're in trouble and then you're suspended. So um, it, it's, it's, it's certainly everybody knows you don't, don't bet on football, especially on your building. Uh, but some of the other sort of gray area players are still trying to figure out. Um, so that's why I think the league is trying to reinforce it, which it did earlier this month to, to be as clear as possible. Cause it seems like for some players, it wasn't clear the first time. Um, yeah. I, I do sense that, they know they're going to have to um, 
there's going to be a Band-Aid put on this right now with, with some of these suspensions that, that are happening that um, they're hopeful enough messages are sent where uh, maybe if, if there is a lot of widespread gambling somewhere that those behaviors will start to change. Uh, someone just asked this. It's a fair question, Jeremy. Do you believe that Isaiah Rogers in any way by, you know, Isaiah Rogers, speaking of getting ahead of it, whether his agent was thrilled by this or not, I don't know, but he, he did exactly that. I mean, as soon as his name was linked, he came out on social media and said, listen, I did some things I'm not proud of. I apologize. He was pretty candid in it. Does yeah. that in any way, shape, or form give leniency towards his penalty? Mm, possibly. Possibly. Um, certainly the league appreciates contrition in a lot of cases, you know, where if you fight it, um, that could show lack of remorse, which um, – doesn't really help the case, I think, especially when it seems like the evidence is probably pretty clear-cut. So we'll see, but it's going to be severe regardless, and uh, you know, especially with, with with kind of him, based on reports, following the textbook uh, manual of what not to do with the NFL's gambling policy. So 2023 was supposed to be Isaiah Rogers' final year of his deal with the Colts. Does that contract with the suspension just become frozen and it'll carry over into next season? And that'll be his last year with the Colts, or is it kind of like how do, how does that work exactly? I'm not sure if you, you even know, but I just wanted to get some clarification on that. Yeah, essentially that contract would toll, so he would still be under the team's jurisdiction in 2024. Uh, that's typically how these work. I think with the gambling policy, it would fall under all NFL suspensions uh, as far as the contractual nature of it. So, Jeremy. Um... As you best understand it, Jeremy Fowler is our guest. He's a senior NFL writer for ESPN. Uh, to put a bow tie on it, as you best understand it or your anticipation, you believe that we will get more clarity and perhaps more names from the NFL on this win? Well, uh, as you know, tomorrow is Friday. And around 5 p.m. on Friday is typically when news happens in some major <laughs> leagues. So, um, That's a good call there. It would not shock me if we get the Friday 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. news dump. Uh, so, but not a guarantee. You know, I think it's one of those things where it's expected. But if it's not finalized, then it might still need more time. I just don't know uh, exactly where it stands. But I know this is something that the league has, has been working on, and, and it seems poised for release. Speaking of precedent, Jeremy, that is spoken like a true veteran, right? Well, 5 o'clock on a Friday typically is when these things come about, mm -hmm. right? No doubt. Don't call it a news dump for anything else. But. That's right. Uh, Jeremy, I want to spin away from Isaiah Rogers, but stick with the Colts. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor situation is an interesting one that's popping up. He seems to be uh, wanting a new extension with the Colts. Uh, have you heard anything about what he's looking for or what the Colts are comfortable with? What, what, is it, what are we looking at when it comes to a Jonathan Taylor contract extension? Well, yeah, they've had some preliminary talks, and certainly the Colts like to try to keep their own key players. Um, they aren't in a major rush. You know, past deals they've done with uh, Shaquille Leonard, I was going to call him Darius, but Shaquille Leonard, Quentin Nelson happened in August, either in training camp or after. And the deadline of the regular season is sort of uh, a baseline here. The running back market is tough because, you know, the players that got $14, 15000000 million a year on a deal fairly recently, and one of those players is Dalvin Cook, who was released uh, by his team. And so, the money hasn't been there even for good players out in free agency right now. So I, I don't know how many teams are eager to give top dollar uh, to a running back, even a good one. 
Uh, however, you know, the Colts, they, they're very big on homegrown players getting rewarded, keeping those guys, and I think they can probably find a sweet spot. You know, the Nick Chubb contract comes to mind because he, <coughs> excuse me, did, didn't have uh, the big average per year. I think it was $12 million something. Uh, but he had three years and a lot of guarantees. So maybe they can do something like that, a three- or four-year deal that's not a huge average per year, but they can at least have a good structure to it that, that satisfies the player. Jeremy, I'm always interested in this for our listeners. Um, and without, like, like this is this is going to be like one of those things in school where, like, you say a word and you have to give, like, the first thing, the first reactionary thing that comes to your mind, right? When we know during the Peyton Manning era, during the Andrew Luck era, you know, the Indianapolis Colts were an, an epicenter NFL team. I mean, there was a lot of attention about them that, you know, you'd go on the road and there would be fans at the visiting stadiums that would be there early to watch Peyton working out, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the NFL in terms of relevance has ebb and flows. Every franchise is relevant, obviously, because it's the 800 pound gorilla. But in, in the NFL world itself in 2023, in terms of overall relevance, competitiveness, level of, of times that you got to check in on them, it, the roster, their sexiness, all things put together. Give me the two franchises that you, in your mind, lump together as synonymous when you think of the Indianapolis Colts, the the sister franchises you think of are blank. Go. Sister franchises to the Colts right now or traditionally? Right now. Ooh, so I need to find a middle-of-the-road team with modest values <laughs> uh, and well-known. Eh, Steelers is too strong. I would say maybe the Chargers. Okay. Good, not good, not great. You know, good, good roster. Maybe underachieved in some spots. Um, that's a tough question. Saints, a little bit. Not Team bad. Sort of Titans for a quarterback the last few years post Drew Brees. Titans being there? Yeah, maybe. Hey, Titans have had some playoff success though, you know. Yes, yeah, he. I don't know if the Colts have had enough hey, of that. I'm telling you, Jeremy. People here, and that's what's funny about it. And this is true of every franchise. So I'm not picking on people, but you know, people in Indy think that like the Colts are still the straw mix in the NFL's drink, and I'm like, eh. No. No. <laughs> Well, Jeremy, no, I'll say I'll say this though. You know, I did my training camp trips late August, early August, uh, late July, early August, and I wasn't going to go to the Midwest in Indianapolis, but because of Anthony Richardson, I'm very tempted to change my direction. Is that because you think he's going to be? Is that because you think he's going to be a great player? Is that because you were intrigued by how high he was drafted, or is that because you don't know which way to look at that? Well, probably all of the above. I mean, I think I just I want to find out what he could be right now and, and what it could be uh, three years from now. So it's, it's, I mean, the ceiling is massive. You know, you talk to other coaches around the league, they're like, you know, the guy's ridiculous. So um, it's, it's really interesting. Jeremy, you brought up the Titans. Uh, what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins? He's been released by the Cardinals. He had a visit with the Patriots and he's visited with the Titans, but it's been pretty quiet ever since. Have you heard anything in, in regards to DeAndre Hopkins and for Dalvin Cook for that matter? Well, DeAndre Hopkins is still weighing his options, kind of put a reset up here, made those visits. Um, you know, he's got strong interest from the Titans and Patriots. Those are still under consideration as far as I understand. I know there is mutual interest with the Patriots that that went well. Um, but I think he's going to wait closer to training camp. You know, there's 
certainly going to be some other interests that could get in the mix. So why not wait to see who steps up? Dalvin Cook's in the same boat. I don't think he's going to take any free agency visits. I think he's probably at this point going to wait till after the franchise tag because you have three running backs that are on the tag, and if they get long-term deals, that sort of changes the comps uh, for contracts. And you know, AFC East is sort of one to watch here in the Dolphins, the Jets. Both those teams have looked into Dalvin, and uh, you know, the Patriots too, I believe. Jeremy Fowler's work is, of course, seen on ESPN as an ESPN staff writer and, again, senior football writer covering the NFL. Jeremy, a pleasure and appreciate the time and certainly enjoy Central Indiana when you come to check out Anthony Richardson during camp.